This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. What is Chalkboard Chat? It's an MPB education podcast. It's a variety show providing information and resources for teachers, students, parents, guardians, and everyday people on various topics. It's learning something new with every publication. Chalkboard Chat. Find the podcast or listen from chalkboardchat.mpbonline.org. Folks, welcome back to Horticulture's Tell the Rustling, and we are broadcasting live from the Southport Flower Show in Lancashire, Northern England, Northwestern England. How's it going, Java? You doing all right this morning, man? Yeah, I'm doing fine, man. I thought you said um, you were broadcasting from uh, Southport. Is it Southport South- or, or Lancashire? Yeah, well, so- yeah. No, no. Well, Southport is the town. Lancashire is sort of the county. By the way, the word Shire means county. Have you ever? You, you, you know how we have county sheriffs? Who do the law for the for the county? Uh huh. Well, that over in England, the sheriff is called the reeve, and he's the Shire Reeve, which is where sheriff comes from. How learn, about that? Learn some new every day, man. That's right. That's right. Anyway, can you hear that music in the background by any chance? Yeah, I hear a lot of ruckus going on back there at the at the flower show. <laughs> Yeah, it is. You know, they they put me in a uh, a really really nice little tent here on the side of the, uh, the the vegetable show, and just as soon as we came on, a band cranked up. So I hope he plays decent music. Uh, I'm on the stage tomorrow with a whole bunch of other folks, uh, experts like Strictly Come Dancing and all that. They got uh, some of you may have seen a program called the Harry Bikers, which is a couple of old long haired guys who travel on motorcycles with a van and cook stuff. They've been to the Mississippi Delta. They've been in New Orleans and Memphis. But anyway, I'm going to be uh, on the stage following one of the hairy bikers tomorrow. Uh, but meanwhile, I'm walking around looking at stuff, seeing how they use our native plants. They're selling horsetail, equisetum, which is one of our weediest native plants. They're selling little bitty pots for nine pounds, which is like $12 a pot. And I'm thinking they could come to my place and dig it up. So anyway, we're going to be just talking about gardening. I'm a yak a lot, and if uh, a little background noise, it's because I'm a cheerful place. It's got three foot long carrots and a and a plant uh, a vegetable that's called a marrow. Uh, Java, did you get those pictures I sent of the marrows? That's what I was just about to say. You sent me two pictures of, I guess these are marrows. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and marrow is a is a is a, con- is a country vegetable, sort of cross between. Actually, all it is is a zucchini that they forgot to pick, and it got really big, ah. two, three feet long. You, you you can't hardly eat it, but what they do is they hollow it out. They use it as stuffing. They hollow it out, chop up all the stuff, uh, mix it with some other stuff, some honey and butter and stuff, and they put it back in the shell and bake it like you would like a a pumpkin pie type thing. But anyway, I sent you pictures. Just to show there is a such thing as a marrow, which is just an overgrown zucchini they forgot to pick. And they're giving each other prizes for who can go the longest before they pick it. I see. This one is the uh, the first prize winner. Yeah, yeah. 
So anyway, that, that, that's the reason I sent the cheesy tune that we're going to play in just a little while. But anyway, I'm hoping some folks will give us a call and talk about gardening. There's a lot of stuff to, to at least talk about. Some stuff you can actually be doing. Some things ought to be wound down. But And uh, and I've got a list of them. And, Java, you're going to have to just let me know if somebody calls because I can't tell. Not, I don't have a fancy operating stuff like y'all do. <laughs> well, we do have two early callers. And the first one, um, John from Mobile, who's a, who wants to join the show early on. Okay, though. John, good morning. What's going on on the coast? Good morning, Felder. Um, I had uh, sent you an email a week or so ago about my uh, oranges exploding from too much rain down here, and I had followed yeah. it up with a, uh, a picture of my satsuma tree that I uh, had had some bark damage that I, I blamed on squirrels, and I discovered later it was my uh, dog that's in the doghouse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was scratching at the bark and took some of the bark off. I'm just kind of curious if uh, if it will uh, continue to grow and do well, or is it done for? Well, this is a good question. And by the way, it, this is common. If you've got a dog, especially a puppy or a bored old dog, uh, but also string trimmers and uh, sometimes people back into it or kids will do stuff to it or hit it with a lawnmower, anything that damages the lower bark of a tree, interrupts its ability to see, send food from the leaves down to the roots. It's in that little thin green uh, strip right under the bark. And my general rule of thumb, and, and it'll heal. As food flows from the leaves down to the roots, it can heal up around cuts. You, you may have seen uh, old wounds on trees that got a, kind of a thick roll around them. My general rule of thumb is if it more than about a, a fourth, more than a third of the way around the trunk, uh, it's going to start having problems. If it's more than halfway around it, it's it doesn't look good because it, it the food will flow from the leaves towards the roots and it'll hit a stopping place and that's as far as it can go and eventually stops feeding the roots and they die and then the top dies. So uh, let me ask you this. How high off the ground is that damage? It starts probably about two feet. I, I got a hundred pound dog. Um, it yeah, starts yeah, yeah. about two feet up off the, off the ground. Okay, it's sort of, sort of the good news. If for some reason, if, if it looks like it's not going to make it, the tree is starting to wilt before it dies, if it looks like it's going to die before it dies, cut it off below the damage. The, the tree will probably be grafted, but if this, it's usually only grafted within uh, a few inches of the ground. So if you can see where the original graft was, as long as you cut it off above that, it'll sprout out and grow quicker than you can imagine because those roots are going to push new growth. So you can go ahead and cut it off below the damage as high as you can, and the tree will come out faster than you can imagine. Just put some chicken wire around it or something next time. So you can say that if you're worried about it not making it, go ahead and cut it off as soon as you can so it'll quickly start sprouting back out and have time to settle down before winter. Okay. Well, I'm going to give it a few more weeks. Uh, see how it's going. The, everything looks good. The, the leaves are still uh, bright, and they, they don't look like they're uh, uh, hurting for anything. But you know, I'm, I'll keep an eye on it over the next few weeks. And appreciate yeah. The help. Yeah. The, the the thing you're watching for, you know, roots can still send water and nutrients up to the leaves, but the leaves can't send stuff back down to the trunk because that that little thin green tissue is real shallow. So just keep in mind, it can look good even if it's starting to die. Okay. So first signs of it, Wilson, go ahead and cut it back, and that can save it. All right. Thanks very much. Okay. Good luck on it. You know, Java, this happens with deer, and uh, a lot of times people put out new new trees in the landscape. Number one killer of young trees in the landscape is some kind of trunk damage, usually lawnmower 
string trimmer, or dogs. Not much we can do about that. Uh, did we did we get the caller from Columbus back? Yeah, that's what I, uh, Dan from Columbus. He did call back. Let's see if we can get him on this time. Good morning, Dan. Okay. Good, hey, Dan. What's up morning. with the Confederate Rose? Howdy. Well, it's it's uh, I think it's two or three years that we planted it in the ground. It's it's pretty tall. It's about twelve foot tall, eight foot wide, but it hasn't even been. I don't even see a, uh, any blooms on it. Is is it? Uh, kind of early for that, or should I be seeing flowers no, now? They they usually start blooming September October. Okay. So, um, the, you know, and and the, and it, not to say that it will bloom because sometimes they don't because of you know weird weather. If it stays too wet or too dry or something like that. Um, but anyways, it's 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 really still too early to tell. It really is. Okay. The second question I got but, is about uh, crepe myrtles. We have a, like a black powdery mildew on the leaves on all three of ours, and I just can't seem to get rid of it. Uh, yeah. Any recommendations there? Yeah, I do. Uh, first of all, look at the twigs real close and, and make sure it doesn't have this little white crusty stuff on it. There's a insect, new insect in town that's really serious. It's called crepe myrtle bark scale. And it'll be all twisted on the, the twigs and everything, little, little tiny little white bumpy things. They are a serious problem. Uh, but usually crepe myrtles have problems with aphids. Aphids and other things that suck. You know how they're always dripping, uh, have, have their, their, their dripping all the time? That's bug dew. And that bug dew from aphids and other insects has got dissolved plant sap in it, dissolved sugars, and it coats everything, makes it sticky. And then the black sooty mold grows on that. So believe it or not, the, the black stuff isn't the problem. It's the symptom. you got a bunch of sticky stuff that's growing a mold on the leaves. Uh, a couple of things you can do. You can spray if you want to for aphids. Uh, anything that says for aphids will do. Mix a little bit of liquid dish detergent in your spray when you spray it. And then uh, let it soak for oh, uh, a few minutes. And then rinse it off the clear water. This has the same effect of, of, of softening up some dried syrup that's on your kitchen counter, and it wipes up easily. So anyway, to get rid of the sooty mold, just use a little liquid dish detergent and then rinse it off after a few minutes. It's going to keep coming back unless you treat for aphids. Uh, and by the way, my pink flamingos under one of my trees were completely black one year from this. So I feel you, man. I feel your pain. Okay. Well, great. Thank you very much. Well, let me, let me throw out something else, and other people are going to raise their eyebrows about this, but it's absolutely true. It's based on plant physiology. Go out to your Confederate rose and, and reach up as high as you can and bend the branches over towards the ground. Not enough to break them, but enough to make them feel like they might about to break, and then let them snap back up in place. Believe it or not, this stimulates a hormone called traumatin that will kick flowers into blooming. Have you ever heard of people switching their okra? Uh, no. Okay, well, a lot of folks listening have heard that if you go out with a stick and beat your okra, it blooms better, and it releases a, a, a trauma hormone that will stimulate some bloom. Anyway, go ahead and bend those branches. Don't, don't break them, but bend as far as you can. Let them snap back into place. A lot of times that will shock a plant into blooming. It, it, I'm not making this up. It's really true. Well, and I, I believe that because when I had a log that I was throwing shiitake mushrooms on, they said take a sledgehammer and whack the end of it, and it will help, help them uh, produce more mushrooms, and it, and it did. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. So, so give, give that a try. Your neighbor's going to talk about you, but just wave at them. <laughs> I'll, I'll reference your uh, suggestion on it when they, when they catch <laughs> Good luck on it, my friend. Thank you for your call. All right, bye-bye. Felder, it sometimes sounds like you're making it up, but I I believe you. Sometimes you have to shock it into uh, shock it into blooming. 
You know, it's after, you know, and you can actually do that with th- with a tree blooming trees. Sometimes you can go out with the shovel out from the trunk and make a few cuts here and there on the roots. And what that does, it has the same effect to plants that us getting scared. You know, when you when you jump, you get a release of of uh, adrenaline that makes you get up and go. Plants don't have adrenaline; they have traumatin, which is a response to trauma. I wish I was making some of this stuff up because I would feel so smart. Well, it's, it, it's, it sounds about right. <laughs> All right. Appreciate that, folks. I'm a horticulturist, Felder Rushing. I'm broadcasting live from the Southport Flower Show in Lancashire, Northern England. There's music going on. There's I'm, I'm right outside the, uh, the, the the tent. has all the vegetable displays, the giant marrows, the long cares, onions, big as, big as my head, all sorts of flowers, native plants, wildflowers. At vendors, it's an incredible show, and I'm glad to be broadcasting from here in northern England, the the largest independent flower show in England. And when I say independent, the Royal Horticulture Society has shows like uh, the Chelsea Show and the Hampton Court Show and and uh, and those, but uh, and they're sponsored by the Horticulture Society. This is real gardeners getting together, and it is huge. They're in their hundredth, excuse me, their 98th year of doing this. And it's where, I mean, it's a full-fledged flower show with show gardens and, and all that. But the people who exhibit here are not professionals. They're real gardeners. And it is so fun. Anyway, uh, Java, you said we've got some callers? Yeah, we've got some callers. Let's go to Meridian and talk with Angela. Good morning, Angela. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. Good. Okay, here's my rose story. There is an abandoned house down the road from us that had a beautiful that has a beautiful blooming rose. Nobody takes care of it, et cetera. Somebody bought the house. The first thing they did was chop down the rose. So I know. I was driving by, and I immediately pulled over, and I went and I grabbed the longest, fattest, greenest stem I could find, and I brought it home. Google search, watched Monty Don, and um, cut up my stem, put them in the ground. Two of the ten leafed out this past spring. And so they've been in this spot where I stuck them. Now my question is, when do I pot them up or move them to a better location? Okay, those, those are good questions. But you say there are a couple of them that have that been there since spring and they got leaves and everything on them? Yeah, and one actually got a couple blooms. Okay. Well, congratulations. Usually when you just stick roses, when I stick roses to the ground, I've been doing this probably as long as Monty Don. <laughs> and you know, usually I get about fifty percent sprout and about fifty percent don't make it. So the fact you got any at all is great because it's it's hard to root things from a single stem. The the middle size stuff roots best. Anyway, to answer your question, make sure the dirt around it is nice and loose and mulch covered with some bark or some leaves or something like that to keep mm-hmm. the ground nice and loose and keep watering it. Maybe hit it with a little bit of fertilizer. Uh, to sort of stem, not so much you push them a lot, but uh, keep them alive until we get us a frost. So let's wait till fall before we dig them up. When they go dormant, then they're a lot easier to transplant. Right now, it's going to be too much stress on a plant with some brand new roots on it. So I'd wait till winter time. But meanwhile, work the ground up, mulch around them, treat them like they've been there forever, like it was a tomato or something. Just don't push uh-huh. it with too much water or too much fertilizer. They, they should do fine. Okay, great. Thank you so much. All righty. You bet. Thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, uh, Java, she mentioned a guy named Monty Don. He does what I do, but he does it for a whole country. Uh, I do it for a whole state. And, you know, he's a real big, big, famous guy. But I hate to tell him, but England 
will fit inside Mississippi. He's only got England to deal with. We got Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, Louisiana, too. Who else we got, man? Let's talk to Homer in Lions. Hey, Homer, what's going on up in the Delta? Oh, it's, it, it's great, Phil. I'm, I'm loving this weather. It is beautiful weather, but enjoying the show. You said something about okra just a little bit ago to stimulate it. I missed that. What did you, this is my first year raising okra, and I'm, I'm just experimenting, but nobody's going to beat me up. Okay. Here's here's the deal. You know, okra, it blooms and has the little seed pods up at the top, and when you cut those off, it makes more. If you don't cut them off, it just sort of sits there. So always cut off okra, even if you're not going to use it, break it off and drop it on the ground. But if you, if you shock them a little bit, kind of rough them up a little bit, they'll actually stimulate them to produce more flowers and more uh, fruit pods. And what a country folks do, they would just st- take a stick out there and just beat the, you know, don't hurt the plant, don't skin it or anything. But if you go out there and just grab the plants and bend them over a little bit, let them snap, snap, buck, snap back into place, this little bit of shaking them up, stretching the bark a little bit, stimulates flower and fruit production. And by the way, you can cut, you can cut some of those if you got a whole bunch of them. Cut one or two of them back to about knee high. And see if they don't bush out in the okra bushes with more stems and more fries. Just give that a try. I'd like to find out how it works for you. But cut cut one or two of them back to about knee high, and the rest of them just sort of bend them over, you know, slap them around a little bit. This ain't a dog we're talking about. It's an okra plant, and it wants to be stimulated. So, just you mean the whole plant? Just cut it up. Cut the whole plant back about knee high. Yeah. How many plant? How many okra plants you got out there, Homer? Oh, man, I'm I'm actually raising to sell it with the greens this year, but it, I got oh, about so you, I don't know, a couple hundred of them. Uh, okay, well, well, on, on every row, pick one out on every row and just cut it back about knee high and, and see what happens. Don't don't do all just just one, just as an experiment. I want to because I bet they're you know because you know they're getting too tall to pick, and if you cut some of them back, they'll bush out with more branches, easier to pick. You may not want to do that, but just give it a try. I'm curious on how it works for you. I'll let you know. It's, it's amazing how this stuff produces. I, I I have not. My mom didn't cook okra, so we didn't raise it, and I'm just amazed at how this stuff actually uh, produces. You know, we we've got a, a handful. Actually, we've got about a dozen plants that Southerners, you know, they're traditional Southern crops, and they come from a hot, dry climate. They come from Africa. They like hot, right. dry. They you can, they can't grow okra in England because it's not warm enough. It won't do well at all. So they have to go to in pots and greenhouses to warm it up. But uh, if, if you got too much out there to beat, what, what I would do is I would go up there and cut, oh, three or four or five, six plants, and then, then snap a couple of, you know, uh, sort of rough two or three up and just see how much they do compared to the one right next to them. Okay. I'll give you a report on it. Thank you. Okay. Good luck, old man. Stay cool. All right. Bye-bye. All right, Felder, let's go next to uh, Jamie in Madison. Uh, hey, Jamie, good morning. How are you? Good morning, sir. I'm fine, thank you. I hope you're well over there. In regards to our uh, Brit, uh, Brit friends over there, our British yeah. people friends, uh, I, um, I'm trying to start growing herbs. I don't have a green thumb, and I wanted to start growing some herbs. So I bought a little plant of basil, and I got it home, and I put water in there and it absorbed it almost immediately 
And then I put more right. water. So I don't know if I overwatered it, but it's it's dying rapidly. It's got like three or four leaves left, and it's only been uh, I've had it in the house about uh, ten days. And also I yeah. put it like near a window so it gets light. So I don't even know yeah. where to begin. I don't I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Okay. Okay. Well, let, let's back up a little bit. Uh, first of all, most of those plants, and when you say herbs, keep in mind that that's a general term for any kind of plant that we grow for other than just vegetables or fiber. It could be a perennial like oregano or a shrub like rosemary, but the word herb just means it's used medicinally or for, 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 for cooking. They're not all grown alike by any means. So, oh. uh, so m- most of them need sunshine. Basil grows out in a broiling hot sun. You could take, I would put it in a little bit bigger pot and set it out where it gets some sunshine. So that's what it needs. We only need to bring those in in the wintertime to keep them from freezing. Meanwhile, let them go. Let them put, put, put out their sunshine energy. And if it's looking bad, you can actually cut it back like you would a little small shrub. It'll bring, you know, the stuff you cut off, go ahead and use it, you know, cook with it or whatever you want to do with it. But that'll make right. the plant that's left bush out and branch out and do better. And the new growth will be really, really well used to, uh, to being outdoors. A little bit bigger pot, put out some sunshine, and water it when it needs it. Don't keep it wet. Other than that, it's just uh, stop thinking of it as a herb and think of it as a little green bush because that's all okay. it is. Okay. Okay, and do, and and also, I don't spray it, do I, with anything for bugs? Oh, not if you don't have any problems with it. You know, I okay. put in the, the 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 herbs that are grown in garden centers are grown in in potting soil that is designed to be watered all the time for their convenience. It dries out too fast for home gardeners, and it dries out real fast. And then you keep it too wet, too dry, back and forth. So I go ahead and gently loosen up the root, put in a little bit bigger pot with some good potting soil, and you're not going to have to water it nearly as often. But uh, again, don't treat it as a special plant. Treat it just a bush, and it'll do fine. It ain't magic. All right. Well, thank you so much. All the best okay. to you and safe trip home. Bye bye. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And Java, I'm glad she said that because you know I'm gonna be home in the studio in two weeks. I got one more broadcast from here in England, and then I will be back home in my sweet little garden. Can't wait to see how my basil, my okra, uh, my zinnias, uh, my peas. I planted so much stuff in the spring that I'm expected to be there when I get back with nobody doing anything to it. We'll see. It's almost like a surprise. You're trying to you, you just the big reveal yeah. when you get when you come around the corner at your home. <laughs> but but at the, at, at, to give myself credit, I've been doing this for forty something years, so I have a good idea of what's not coming. I did not plant tomatoes and expect them to be there when I get back. Yeah, the hot peppers, the basil, the hot pepper, the okra, the sweet potatoes. I expect them to be there because they like the kind of weather we have in Mississippi. So we got any more calls? Well, we got Bill in Neshoba County. All righty. Hey, Bill, what's going on, man? Good morning, good morning. Uh, Howdy. I have a question about strawberries. Uh, yeah? Uh, I guess first a little bit of background. I, No matter where I've lived, I've always had trouble with strawberries. But this year, uh, second year for uh, a, a, I planted a couple of different brands, uh, and uh, – they uh, you know, produced fairly well, not great, but uh, some, which I was proud of. <laughs> uh, but then we got hit with the really hot weather. And right. All of them yeah. ha- have turned brown. 
And I'm wondering, is that just the tops that gave up, or do you think those plants are dead? Well, I, I, I don't know, but here, here's the deal. A lot of people don't think about it. The strawberries can live for more than a year, an individual strawberry plant, mm-hmm. but they don't like it. Commercial growers plant rows of strawberries, and every year the, the row that just they got through harvesting, they till it up after it sends runners out in the row next to it. So they let the, the strawberries move back and forth every year or every two years between rows with those new runners. So it's hard to keep the individual plants alive because of our heat, our humidity, our rainfall, sometimes way, way too much rainfall. Uh, in general, they produce best in the springtime. They, they, they like cold mm-hmm. weather. They produce well. They bloom well. They produce well in the spring. And only a few varieties are going to keep producing into the summer for us in, in, in our climate, different in other, other parts of the world. So in general, what you do is you fertilize them a little bit, not to keep what you got alive, but to get it to replace itself with new runners. Those will be your plants for the next year or two. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. I I can do that. I'm just wondering right now. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've never I, seen that, plants what, just com- com- completely die. I, I mean, the tops. Well, w- without looking at it, I, I have no idea. They are susceptible to spider mites. Uh, if it stayed really, really wet, they may have gotten some root damage and it turned hot. They didn't have enough roots to keep them going. You know, a lot of times root damage will, will happen and the plants don't show it until they put on some new growth that all of a sudden too much for the roots to take care of. See, so without mm-hmm. looking at it, I just don't. Or, you know, tug or pinch or rub on a couple of them see how they feel. If they feel firm, they're probably still alive. But nobody's tell without looking at it. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, I wish I could help you some more, but good luck on it, man. Okay, have a good one. All righty. You know, we were, we were talking earlier, you know, you've heard of Lancashire and Yorkshire and uh, all those. Shire just means county. And uh, so, and they say, sure, Lancashire, Lancashire. Well, that's all and, right. Uh, well, we... Yeah, right on the coast. I'm just north of Liverpool. Matter of fact, if I were to go out on the uh, the promenade, which is, you know, the, the walking way along the, the beachfront, I could see uh, across the bay, Liverpool, which is uh, pretty famous for his music and stuff. So anyway, we got any calls? Yeah, well, you were talking about the Shires being the county. Let's go to our Pontotoc County and talk with uh, talk with Bobby. How hey, y'all Bobby doing? from how y'all doing? So far, so far, so good. What's up with you up in the icebox part of the country of the state? I, I've got a fig bush, and I've never seen nothing like this in my life. Uh, when I was little, my mother and father had a fig bush, and it just got so big and stopped growing. But this fig bush I got, it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It I got a two-car garage there beside it, and it's done big as that two-car garage. What's causing that to do that? Well, uh, let me ask you this. Is your garage, is it on a slab, or is it uh, or what? Yeah, it's on a slab, but that ain't making that... Now, I had that problem out you know, with my tower uh, of trees growing, trying to grow out from under the slab or something like that. Yeah. But this yeah. this, uh, this big bush is like about, I guess, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. It's about seven foot away from that slab. So yeah. I, 
I don't think a well, slab would be doing that, would it? No, 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 no. What I was getting at, because a lot of times people, old, old, old houses built up off the ground, figs grow their roots all up under where it's nice and cool. Here's the thing. Fig trees can get pretty big. The fig tree that I helped my great-grandmother pick figs uh, well over half a century ago is still there, and every year it gets a little bit bigger. They're not, they're not big trees. They're, they're like small trees, which is a big bush. And I've seen them so high that you had to get up on top of the garage to pick the figs. So uh, it's not unusual for them to get that big. It's just unusual people keep them alive long enough for them to get that big. So uh, is it getting to where you can't pick it or what? It's a new, just, just four years old. What did you ask me? Okay, if it's four years old, you need to prune it. Uh, you know, when, when, I, when I set a fig out in my yard, which I did, uh, I guess, three years ago, the day I put it out in the ground, I cut it off at knee high. Instead of getting tall, it branched out. It had three main stems. And when those got about three or four feet long, I cut them back. So every year, cut back whatever the long stuff is part ways and make it bush out instead of getting bigger and bigger and bigger. See, So what I would do is this wintertime, I'd take some of those tall things and cut them back to about knee high. Not all of them, just some of them. And they'll branch out and to make more of a compact bush, more branches. So they'll either get five feet long or you get four or uh, five foot long ones. So in other words, spread the energy out by cutting the long stuff back and make it bush out. Well, I, this is what I don't understand. It Now, I couldn't do that because it done got too big. I can't get, I, I can't get, it's so big I can't get there to do nothing to it. Uh, but what I was going to say is, it used to, when I first got it, the uh, frost would kill it down every year, but now it don't kill it no more. And how come a frost quit killing it? Well, because it's gotten established. It's gotten tough. You know, when they first put them out, you know, they, they ain't got established really well. So it, you can still cut it. This wintertime, it's uh, got more than one trunk? No, it's just one. Okay. What what I would do, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying you ought to do this. What I would do is this wintertime, or even right now, today, go in and cut it down to knee high. It sounds like you're killing the tree, but it will branch out. If you ever try to get rid of a crape myrtle tree by cutting it, it keeps coming back. Figs will do the same thing. So if you cut it back, instead of one tall thing, it's going to have a whole bunch of branches that will be main limbs. So a fig shouldn't be a tree. It should be a bush with a whole bunch of little uh, of trunks and then branches. I, I know exactly what you're saying. I tell people, I give a fruit seminar every year in Jackson. I wrote a whole book on, on growing home fruit, and I would never – put a fig tree or a peach tree or an apple tree, I would never set out a fruit tree without cutting it back to knee high the day I put it in the ground. I don't care how much it cost, how big it was. Commercial growers always cut them off about three feet off the ground to make them branch out close to the ground. They, they all do that. And if you don't do it, they end up with a situation like you got where you're not going to be able to reach any figs if they ever make it. Anyway, if you if if it were me, I would cut it back. It looks like you're booging it up real bad, but it'll make it branch out, and you'll have a fig bush instead of a fig tree. Now, if I now, cut this, all, this, if I cut back, I'm going to have a dump truck load of stuff to haul off. Well, you know, you root some of them. Cut, cut pieces off about a foot long and stick them in some dirt or some pots and root you some more. That's where all figs come from. They all come from about foot-long cuttings, about as big around as your finger. But anyway, if you don't feel like doing it, that's okay. But the reason you got a fig tree because you didn't treat it like a bush. Well, we appreciate you calling, Bobby, out there in Pontotoc County. What you call it, fellow? The ice, the ice box. <laughs> ice box, yeah, way up in that part of the uh, Pontotoc Shire. 
All right. Well, let's go now to um, right around the corner, I guess, northeast Mississippi. Uh, Kay uh, wants to join the conversation. Good morning, Kate. Where are you calling from? Hey, I'm in Boonville. Okay. What's going on? Well, your comment on uh, switching the the plants or whatever to stimulate their growth, I am so, I mean, uh, productivity. I am so glad to know that there is a scientific basis to that. <laughs> that <laughs> You've heard it all that, your life. You've heard it all oh, your life. Well, actually, um, I've only heard it one time, but I've heard it the same story several times since then. There was this wonderful lady at our church, and her uh, pear tree wasn't producing. So she just got out there with a big, long switch and just wore it out. And that tree started producing like nobody's business. <laughs> and yeah, so that was a, I, what? That was that Go tree's version saying yes. Uh, that was that tree's version saying yes, ma'am. <laughs> I think you're right. But it's a it's a wonderful story, and and I remember it fondly. And um, uh, the other thing about the uh, okra, I've heard that uh-huh. you know when when you cut a pod to cut the leaf that's associated with that pod. That that not necessary. Um, not necessary. Well, not necessary. Well, I think I, I tried that this year, and it looks like the 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 plant just got kind of puny and and didn't want to actually produce anything. The leaves at the top, you know, that start to come back, right. they just right. they nearly look like marijuana leaves, to tell you the truth. But I know. Anyway, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's because you know leaves are leaves are how plants make their energy. You know, when you cut them off. Oh. If a tree if a tree is real thick and it's not doing anything, it's okay to thin it out. But uh, they yeah. they need leaves. They need leaves just because that's how they get their energy. Well, I'll not be cutting the leaves off the okra plants next year. And one more comment, <laughs> and I'll let somebody yeah. else have their turn. Um, I'm a member of a Mississippi Gardening Page. And there was a comment on there, uh, somebody was rooting something. Well, I decided to root some uh, gardenia bushes. And um, I think it said that that, uh, I always use a Coke bottle or a a, glass bottle, Coke glass bottle or something. Well, I didn't have any Coke bottles, but I did have some uh, Orange Crush bottles. (laughs) I have about five of the most beautiful gardenia plants rooting right now in that orange crush bottle you've ever seen i'm so excited <laughs> well i i gotta ask you this orange crush that's the one that the, the size all ribbed and all uh-huh it's a it's, it's an old-fashioned kind they don't make them like yes. i don't think anymore no this I, I don't know how old this these bottles are i bought them years ago well I'll, I'll tell you something interesting i got an old orange crush bottle and you might know what this is i don't know if you're old enough but it's still got I'm some sure. cap on it but it's got a but it's got a little single hole punched right through the middle of the cap. You know what that's all about? No. When we were kids, you you, you know, they cost like a nickel or six cents, at, you know, and that was a good bit of money when I was a kid. We would take yeah. an ice pick, and I don't know if you only know where the ice pick is. We would punch a hole in the top of an ice pick, and that way you could turn it upside down and shoot a little bit in your mouth at, at one time without drinking it all at once. <laughs> well, I never tried that, but believe me, I'm old enough to know. I'm older than you are. <laughs> well, well and we're, 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 living and learning. we're living and learning and sharing with each other, aren't we? That's exactly right, and I do enjoy the uh, the gardening page on Facebook. It's it's a wonderful thing, and you have a good time in England, and have a safe trip home. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, oh and you go on the... Uh, the uh, the Facebook the Mississippi Garden Facebook today I put a picture of me judging a flower show, 
at the Southport Flower Show. I so saw it this the- morning, and I'm going to get back on Facebook in a little while and read all the comments. <laughs> all righty. We appreciate you calling. Thank you very much. Woohoo! Thank you. Bye-bye. Java, we kind of got off on a on a little nostalgia trip there, didn't we? It's nothing wrong with it, man. Some people call it a uh, what throwback Thursday, flashback Friday. It's all it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. But did even make? Have you ever seen an orange crush? They even sell that anymore? You, the soda, right? Yeah. Yeah, they you can you can find them. You can find them. <laughs> okay, I was just wondering. I just wondering. So who else we got? Yeah, let's talk to um, William in Greenwood. Hey, William, what's going on in LeFleur County? Hey, Sir Felder. Uh, hey, hey, I enjoyed that, that song, but, you know, they only played less than half of it, so I'd like to hear the rest of it someday. <laughs> there you go. It, it, it is a, it's, a, it's a good song, but, you know, Java can only take so much of my kind of cheesy music. You know, he's a, he's a musician. He's a DJ. He, you know, he does that for, for his, his other living, and he just can't take some of my, my weirdness. So what you got going on today? Okay, well, I I found some albums that I bought back in May, I think. I forgot to plant them. They were just starting to spread out, or or, are they dead? Are they not going to do anything, or is it too late to plant them, or what should I do about it? Just plant them now? You you said alliums? Yeah, they're real pretty blue, tall things. They're they're bold. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. you know they they grow like tulips and daffodils. They come up in the fall, they grow over the winter, they bloom in the spring. So uh, oh. if they still feel firm, you know you might want to give them a try because they're they, they're like they're like onion bulbs. They're not going to last you know till next year. So uh, oh, if they still feel pretty firm, I'd wait another month and plant them out in the ground where they can get some winter time. Where the leaves will come up, and get some winter time cold and bloom next year. It's a little bit too hot for them now. A little bit early for planting them, but. Go ahead, go ahead and put them in a nice sunny flower bed or a pot or something. And leave them out over the winter to get some cold, just like daffodils and tulips. I was, I was going to ask you something else. Uh, uh, somebody moved away, and they had a big, beautiful, uh, well, not really a big, but a real pretty little uh, uh, redbud tree, and it was unusual around here to see it doing so well. People, I don't know why, they just decided to cut it down, and then it sprouted back up, and it, it must be like, 50 little saplings coming up on that stump. Uh, will it ever do anything, or what, what do you do about it? It, it chops up? It, it can. You know, uh, red, redbud trees, you know, I was raised with a redbud tree over in Indianola along the biobank. They're woodland trees. They don't grow out in the brawling hot. They don't grow along fence rows. You always see them out in the edge of the woods. Uh, and, and they're far, fairly short-lived. The one in my backyard died after about 30 years, but it sent up some sprouts from the bottom what I did was I thinned out all but three or four of them, let them become uh, so it's like a multiple trunk tree now. But if they if they if they don't, they need to thin them out so there's only three or four, maybe five of them to become like a multiple trunk tree instead of a witch's broom. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to convince the people to keep it. They, they talked about they want to chop it down. I said, no, let me talk to Felder about it. Get his <laughs> well, advice. Yeah. Felder's opinion ends. Felder's opinion ends right at the very edge of my yard. It doesn't go anywhere near across their property line. Well, I, I, so, I, I, I value your opinion, so uh, I appreciate your help, Felder. <laughs> my, my opinion is they need to cut them back to about three feet long and put a little bottle on them of each one. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Felder. Have a good time in Mary Old England. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Ooh, Java. 
getting some fun calls today. Yeah, everybody's in a in a good mood. That August uh that August air is hitting a little different. We've been having a good time today. We call it talk radio and think radio, but I'm calling it let's whoop it up in the garden radio. Uh Java, we got any more calls before the end of this hour? Um, nobody's snuck in here yet, and I think we may not get any more. We we got about three more minutes before we get off the air. Well, we got time. Somebody want to squeeze one in the real, real quick. But uh, let me tell you something else about this town, seaside town called Southport. It's just north of Liverpool. And the first time I ever came to Southport, I went to a little quirky place called the Lawnmower Museum. They have every lawnmower ever made, including the original lawnmower from the 1830s, which is, you know, these old push mowers, Java, you know, uh, hang on, hang on just a second. Hang on a second. Hang on. Uh, There we go. Now, what was that? Pagenfeld or Russian to the stage? (laughs) No, no, they they said something in, you know, this, this weird northern accent. People in the north of England talk like people from the south of the United States. You know, when you think of an English accent, you think of London and South England. But the folks up here have accents and attitudes. They're friendly, and they, they talk about what's in your grocery cart, just like we do in the south. I feel right at home. Anyway, Southport, uh, in the 1850s, it was a guy who invented the first lawnmower. It looks just like those push mowers. They have the wheels that when you push it, the faster you go, the faster the blades go. Have you ever seen? Have you ever used one of those, Java? I, I haven't used one, but you know, you see them in the old movies and things. Yeah. Well, when you push them, they make a sound, sound like you're clearing your throat. You know, anybody who's ever pushed one knows exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, that same technology is still used almost 200 years later. Intervened in the 1830s uh, by a guy named John Budding, and uh, they've got some at the Southport. Lawnmower Museum, and I got to push one not too long ago, and it made me feel like I was 10 years old again. I said, I ain't never going to do this when I get to be a grown-up, and I don't. <laughs> anyway, just just oddball stuff, oddball stuff. I wonder if they have a um, an electric lawnmower in there, I guess, showing that progression because, they, you know, they have the, 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 man, the robots that can do it all by themselves now. <laughs> they, they 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 have the uh, one of the original uh, electric lawnmowers in the Cashaluna. It looks like a looks like a flying saucer with handles on it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's got it's got a a plug about as big as my head. But anyway, it's it's been real real interesting. I'm glad to have a chance. I know the the, the sound quality may not have been up to snuff because I'm in a tent listening to music and people laughing about flowers and stuff, but. It's been, it's been fun. You know, this flower show is, uh, is, is where amateur gardeners get together and show their best stuff. And yeah, it takes me back, Felder, to when we were on the road. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And uh, we need to do that again. So, anyway, we're going to take a, a week-long break. We'll come back next Friday talking about gardening. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, Java Chapman, the awesome producer, and all the other folks at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Stick with us through the week, Monday through Friday, and rebroadcast wild stuff on Saturday. If you get a chance in this weird weather, take a kid to a garden center. They're starting to get loaded up on stuff for winter. Take a kid to a garden center or a farmer's market and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See you all next week. Thanks, Java. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.